Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See BlackstoneMotors.ie You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for joining us again today on the show. My Artist of the Week, Burke's Banter, Sinead Kelly with Pet Advice. Sharon Kenny, the matchmaker, is here. Listoon Varna off, but love is still in the air on late lunch this afternoon. And more besides, if you want to get in touch with us on the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in on 1850-715-958. Now we begin with breaking news because the Taoiseach, Michal Martin, has been addressing the nation in the last few minutes with the latest proposals on COVID. Is it go or no? Well, we go to our newsroom now where Simon Doyle joins me. Simon, what's the story? Good morning, or good afternoon, I should say, Jerry. Yes, the Taoiseach has been speaking in the last few moments from government buildings uh, upon the conclusion of the Cabinet meeting in regards to indoor dining and hospitality. The plan is as follows. The reopening of indoor dining from next Monday is to be postponed. There's been no new date provided for that. However, ministers are to spend the next couple of weeks working on a plan for how customers can prove they've been vaccinated, which will be the requirement when indoor dining opens. And that plan will is work more so is expected uh, by July 19th. So uh, next week's uh, proposed indoor dining uh, reopening is not to go ahead. Anything else? Uh, have you anything so far as regards uh, sports and attendance at sports, outdoor events like concerts, anything like that, visiting houses? Uh, you know, what can people visit? Is that restriction lifted? Well, yes, Jerry. the good news, uh, I suppose, from the Taoiseach's address is that the uh, the increase uh, for weddings from 25 to 50 is to go ahead next week. Mm. In terms of sport, outdoor events will still increase capacity uh, for outdoor uh, sporting events. Uh, it is at 200 uh, or will go to 200. And then for stadia, over 5,000 in capacity, that will be increased to 500. Uh, the Taoiseach uh, was also very keen to stress that the worst of the pandemic is behind us. However, with the rising concern of the Delta variant of COVID, uh, it was uh, 
the, the required steps that they had to take. Uh, he also acknowledged that uh, th- uh, today's announcement of the postponement, the indefinite postponement of indoor dining will be greeted with dismay and frustration by uh, by the public, by the uh, representative bodies involved. Uh, but he did stress that extra supports will be given to businesses that are staying shut uh, and that they won't be uh, left in the lurch in that respect. So there's no definite still on the 19th of July? No definite. He, he did commit to saying that it would be by the J- July 19th, but I suppose, as we've seen before, Jerry, mm. there's never a, a kind of a concrete uh, conclusion to these things, yes. and, and that could well not be the case. I mean, I'm seeing reaction from uh, the likes of the, the Licensed Fitners Association. They're very, uh, very dismayed by this announcement, and they don't feel that Neffet will recommend any reopening of indoor hospitality at any stage over the summer. Uh, they also say that the the plan to ask unvaccinated workers in pubs and restaurants to police who can enter the premises um, would put them in an impossible position. Mm. The Vintners Federation of Ireland have echoed that disappointment. They say they emphatically reject Neffet's advice to government that only fully vaccinated people should be admitted to indoor hospitality venues. They also say the plan is unworkable and will only increase pressure on publicans and their staff. Yes, I, I see many, many issues for sure, Simon, around that and they make valid points indeed. So just to summarise, weddings up to 50 in attendance, sports events, the increase in attendances will continue that, and I'd say that would apply to other aspects of outdoors. Uh, but no, you're right, you, you, they're saying that they're going to devise a plan by the 19th of July, but they're not saying, as you said, that that is going to be the date when indoor dining can resume, even if it's only for vaccinated people. Simon, thank you so much for that update. It's just breaking news as we speak. More to develop during the afternoon. Tune into our news bulletins here on LMFM Radio. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. That's Simon Doyle there from our newsroom. And we go straight to a man who is now a regular, I have to say, for the last, what, 15 months at this time on a Tuesday on late lunch. He's the head of the Department of Biology and director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. It's immunologist Professor Paul Miner. Hello again, Paul. Uh, good afternoon, Jerry. Well, I watched you on the news last night and you were certainly uh, clear in your view that you believed uh, the reopening of indoor dining should proceed. Well, we've just had the, the breaking news there. Now, it's not going to happen, Paul. What's your initial reaction? Yeah, so first, late yesterday evening, we got reports where the Neffet modelling were predicting some pretty scary sort of outcomes, potential outcomes based on their models. Um, I think based on that, the government have now made this decision in terms of delaying indefinitely, I would say, Jerry, um, the the opening for indoor dining. I think if it's not going to go ahead now, I wouldn't be very optimistic in terms of going on, uh, going ahead in the foreseeable future for a number of reasons, Jerry. One is the reasons why I'm probably more optimistic, more positive about opening. First of all, in terms of the time of year. I think there's a clear seasonality to this virus. It doesn't mean it disappears during the summer, but at this time of year, it definitely helps in terms of suppressing some transmission of the virus. So I think with the NEFIT modelling, you know, questions need to be asked there in terms of if, if, if that is included as part of the model. Secondly, schools are now closed. From this week, schools will be closed. So again, that should, should be a positive factor in terms of um, suppressing cases. And thirdly, We've got most of the vulnerable population in the country vaccinated. Uh, so for those reasons, 
I thought that now is as good a time as any. And if we were to delay it even by two, three weeks, that's going to coincide with the opening up of travel. And then you've got a number of things coming together, a number of increased risks. So I just can't see. And then in terms of projections, I'm not sure what the exact details are in terms of the potential to get maybe 700 cases by September. If that is projection and even best case scenario, you know, would be one tenth of that. I can't believe that Netflix is going to approve for indoor dining under situations where our numbers are increasing dramatically. So I think serious question, serious analysis I think needs to be, and we shouldn't be afraid of this in terms of serious analysis should be done with respect to the Netflix figures, because in science, this is what we do. We look at analysis and this is mathematical modeling. These numbers are based on certain assumptions and putting in certain parameters. And I think questions need to be asked, and they may turn out to be right, but questions need to be asked in terms of the basis of coming up with these inputs into the models. If it's a situation, then that that seems a very likely scenario, so we have different models, but you have to ask, how likely are these to develop? So I can certainly see, you know, from an industry point of view and hospitality point, this would be devastating for them. Um, but I wouldn't be very optimistic now looking forward. If this is a decision that's been made, I can't see what circumstances are going to change to make things better from the perspective of Nessus. That would be my concern, during. Mm, so that's interesting, Paul, because... Uh that is not hopeful at all. As you say, the time of the year, schools out, better weather, as you've been telling us in recent weeks, all helping with the reduction of uh, the numbers and the virus uh, sort of going uh, in a backward direction, which we're all delighted about. But now this variant seems to have thrown a spanner in the works. So you feel now that uh, there's little prospect with uh, summer turning into autumn, into winter, that the indoor dining or hospitality may not open at all. You're questioning, are you, the, the inputs into that modelling? Do you, do you believe that needs to be looked at? I'm not questioning the inputs, Terry, but I've just heard the Minister for Health on another um, RTE there just a few minutes ago. And basically what happened was, prior to the Cabinet meeting last night, they, they were just presented at that stage with the modelling figures. Mm. And I believe, you know, the, the when you make decisions like this, I think it's very difficult because the gravity of these situations are so serious, they really need very close scrutiny scrutiny and evaluation. Mm. So I think it's very difficult, and not defending sort of politicians or the government or whatever, but there needs to be a process in place where these are absolutely scrutinised in detail. And we shouldn't be afraid of this. And, you know, as, as scientists, when we come up with different proposals, hypotheses, we are used to being questioned and questioned robustly and defending our case and what we're proposing. Mm. So I just find it strange that the first Minister for Health heard about the modelling and some of the pretty dire figures that have been mentioned this morning was at a meeting where a decision had to be made in terms of the consequences of this. So that just, it concerns me in terms of, uh, I guess, the structure and the decision making because the decisions are really, really very serious. And I think that we shouldn't be afraid of analysing the basis for these uh, figures and this modelling. That's not being critical. That's not being critical. They're very good teams. And, but questions have to be made because these are mathematical models. They're not. They're, they're trying to predict. But with these models, mathematical models, by putting in a certain figure, you get a certain output. What's really important is the figures you input in 
and you need to be able to at least give sensible explanation as to how these numbers were arrived at. Uh, because you can put any number in and it'll give you whatever figure out, yes. whatever output. But, but there has to be some discussion around that. And it could be that this could be very reasonable in terms of what they're proposing. Mm. But there must be some indication in terms of the probability of these outcomes happening. Yeah, like it, it does. Like when you when you say what you say, it is short notice to give that to somebody, you know, and ask them to consider it. You know, you're giving the scientific evidence, and it's a valid point. And it's, I hope it's something that is taken on board. And I'm getting questions here in from listeners along the lines that you've just answered there. Why aren't we opening up? And people listening to Luke O'Neill, like yourself, uh, saying that it should open. Paul, the the other thing is this: here we are now. In a scenario uh, we're going to arrive at, if this were to proceed on the lines of allowing vaccinated people a veil of indoor and unvaccinated people not, surely that's just going to cause chaos. Yeah, I think so, Jerry. Like I've always been a big supporter, you know, as you know, of testing and, things and using technology to help us in whatever way and helping businesses and things like that. So I've always been a big supporter. So in theory, actually, I probably would have been in support of this. But then you also have to listen to the people on the ground in terms of the implementation and the practicality of its implementation. And what I hear from people, you know, just over the last half hour or so, that it's going to be unworkable. It, it presents lots of problems in terms of, for example, family dining. You know, children won't be vaccinated. Mm. Does that mean, you know, there'll be no family dining because apparently they're not going to permit, you know, testing, prior testing to be used. Uh, the younger people working in the hospitality sector and in indoor dining, they won't be vaccinated, so will they be prioritised for vaccination? And if they are pr- pr- um, uh, prioritised for vaccination, I think, you know, teachers would probably feel rightly aggrieved in the sense that they've been working for the past number of months, you know, with large numbers of young, young people yes. not vaccinated. So this really is, so, and again, again, I don't want to come across as being critical of method or whatever, but I think when we come out with suggestions like this, whether it be in terms of vaccination, whether it be in terms of public health measures, there needs to be some prior consideration in terms of how the practical can it be implemented. There's no point in coming up with a solution that can't be implemented because we have to look at the reality on the ground. So while I may be in favour of saying, yes, vaccination greatly reduced risk of getting infected or transmitting the virus, I think that would be a good thing, at least in terms of opening up some business. So I'm being told that this is not practically, cannot be implemented. There's no point in thinking about it if it, if it can't be yes. implemented. So it's just the reality and being realistic about the proposals that and the solutions that you're proposing. Mm. Oh, indeed. Uh, it's early doors since uh, Michal Martin spoke and I'm trying to digest it quickly myself, but uh, I'm sure as people get into this, as the day goes on, there'll be more questions perhaps than answers. Just on the vaccination programme, come back to that again. Uh, we've You've always been saying the more people we get vaccinated as quick as possible, the better position we're in. We're hearing about now. Uh, vaccines uh, available but may go out of date and go unused and yet people are crying out for vaccination and uh, you know we're moving down the age scale but maybe we could do it quicker Paul Probably do it quicker now one of the the positive things I think is that NIAC has recommended that at least um, the AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson will be offered to those under 15s and I think that's that's a good move Mm. one of the other things that's proposed there which are we ask more questions about is for a double AstraZeneca vaccination reducing the period 
between the first and second to four weeks. But in the phase three trials, the phase three trials with AstraZeneca showed actually you get a better boosting effect if you leave that second one for longer. So it's a balance. And most of the data coming out in terms of the protective effects of AstraZeneca are based on at least that period being 56 days, which is eight weeks. So that's, and, and there's a reason probably why you need that without being technically about it, Jerry, but they're adenoviruses. You generate a neutralizing immune response against the virus that's actually used to deliver the vaccine. So I think a much better approach and one, I'm disappointed that, you know, there's no commentary on it as of yet in terms of mixing the vaccines, fantastic data coming out now showing, for example, if you've got an AstraZeneca as your first dose, as soon as four weeks later, getting a Pfizer and looking at the two types of immunity that we generate, first of all, antibody-mediated immunity, you generate nine times greater, higher levels of antibody relative to double AstraZeneca. And then the second type of immunity, this T-cell immunity, which stops us from getting very sick, that generates that make those mixed vaccines generate even more T cells than a double Pfizer vaccination. And I think really we should be looking at that. So that would ensure maximal usage where something like a first dose of AstraZeneca and then followed by, you know, a Pfizer or, or a Moderna. And then the final feature there, Jerry, which I think should be and again it's it's this idea of trying to be looking around corners in some way and looking at problems that are likely to arise as opposed to just, you know, reacting on the spot. Johnson & Johnson. Johnson & Johnson is a single dose. And cohorts, including myself, we've, I've got a, a Johnson & Johnson, but I think we already need to be preparing and accepting that we're probably going to need a second dose. And the reason why I say that is because Johnson & Johnson is very similar, almost identical to the AstraZeneca approach. The reason why we're using a single dose Johnson & Johnson is because that is the way the trial was designed. It was designed to see, is the, is the vaccine efficacious two weeks after dosing. That is how the trial was designed. But it's very similar to AstraZeneca. So in terms of the efficacy, we don't know its efficacy against the Delta variant, but I'll find it very difficult to believe, and I think it's highly likely, that we will move to a situation where those with Johnson Johnson will require a second dose. And I think we need to be preparing ourselves for that rather than waiting and then being presented with something unexpected. So it's just this planning and making sure we've done due diligence and you know, preparing for things and it leaves us really well prepared and will help us a lot in terms of planning. Paul, you're very good. Thank you so much for joining us on this day of uh, breaking news. Watch this space. There's a lot of debate to come for sure on all aspects of uh, where we're heading at this stage here in Ireland. Paul, we'll be talking to you, please God, again uh, next week. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Jerry. Thanks indeed. That's Professor Paul Moyna there, immunologist, head of the Department of Biology and director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. Have you an opinion on what you've just heard from government, what Paul has said there? They're coming in to me. Uh, your reactions, keep them coming. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text. I'll get to them, I promise you. Or if you want to call in, it's 1850 Government, Jerry, only care about revenue. Don't open the indoor dining or drinking, but yet they keep bookies opening. Crowds of up to 20 gathering from different households for up to 10 hours a day. Masks under their chins and noses. Fed up telling them to wear them. All we get is abuse. Social distancing is now a joke. Hand sanitising, gone. Doors closed for privacy. How is this allowed, says a listener. Ah, Peter, good to hear from you. So, the dictatorship ramps up the ante. They're going to discriminate between those 
those vaccinated and those who are not. This is for what this is for one, says Peter, highly illegal, and many restaurant owners may find themselves in court for differentiating between those who are vaccinated and not. I have to eat outside while my wife, who is vaccinated, can sit inside and eat. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He's going to wear something that distinguishes him as a Christian and sit outside. Peter, if you got the jab, you could sit where we're inside again. Simple answer to it. Get the vaccination. We need as many people as possible to get them. Thanks indeed for your comment, which goes on to talk about other stuff there that, well, it's outside the remit of this show, I have to say today. But thanks for getting in touch with us. I'll get back to your comments, I promise you, later on. I want to say a big hello this afternoon to an absolutely lovely lady. I haven't seen her in a while, but I was talking to her briefly on the phone this morning. Many people know her. Her name is Lena Dias from Glenview in Drogheda and she was with her daughter and uh, she's keeping well. She was telling me, taking it one day at a time. She was a great friend of my late mother's, a great, great friend. And all I can say, she's the most lovely lady you could ever meet in your life. So kind, so friendly, so loving. Lena, we want to dedicate this song to you today because it's one you would have heard many times in the well with my mother. On your Sunday nights out, it's Red Hurley. Just for you, Lena. Yesterday, I knew the games to play. I thought I knew the way life was meant to be. But now there's you. My foolish games are through Now at last I have found Just what makes this whole world turn around Love is all I have to called in from RD to ask why our pub's not been checked she's in the middle out there and she witnessed three different pubs with their doors open and people coming and going on Sunday last why is this not being checked she wonders Jerry. I know it's a difficult decision but I just think the government took too long to make it leaving people out of the loop. Hi, Jerry. I'm a frontline worker in my 60s. Got my first AstraZeneca 12 weeks ago. Rang up yesterday to check in my second to be told that I don't exist on their system and had to register again by phone. What a shambles. Not very fair if fully vaccinated people have privileges going forward. That is a shambles and that is totally unacceptable, I have to say. It really, really is. And there's somebody on the front line as well. I have more comments there. Keep them coming to me. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I will say you must cast your mind back to Christmas last when the government reopened to allow people have a Christmas. And look what happened. They are erring on the side of caution. It's a difficult one. Outdoor dining, etc. will continue and being able to have a pint outdoors, fair enough. And thank God it is June, July, August, September ahead. But we must reflect on what happened later 
beat last year and they've uh, they, you know this is a, a really virulent variant which it is this uh, new one then you know we have to take steps and there will be bumps along the road there has been many so far there'll probably be more in the future but really get vaccinated as quick as you can and I say to the authorities roll out the vaccinations as soon as possible that is the key to getting back to normality now I mentioned just before to Love would be in the air after two today. You heard last week, yes, Listoon Van is not going ahead. Another year people can't get together face to face and hook up with somebody. But don't despair because we have somebody. She's a good friend of ours on late lunch. She wants to talk about hooking up and finding your match again today. And she's brilliant at it. She is the matchmaker. Sharon Kenny, good afternoon again. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Long time no see. Uh, no see is right. But listen, I'm closing yeah. my eyes here. I can see you. I can, Sharon, in my mind's eye. I see you and I'm delighted to have you back with us on the show. What about the list to Varna thing? Uh, do you know what? It's it's sad. It's sad. But it is the people went along to that to meet other people and meet single people and have that banter, have that chat. But what was coming out of it? was an awful lot of people saying when the guys, they meet the guys and they have that Dutch courage and they have that extra couple of pints. They're saying sometimes those guys just didn't know when to stop. And it was more like a lad's hookup weekend away. And so people were pulling back a bit from that because now more than ever, people want genuine connection and they're fed up with rejection because over the internet, what's happening and with online dating, what's happening is... You start a conversation with someone, you start with one with one else, someone else, someone else. And before you know it, you just are ghosted. And people, because they haven't met up, they don't really get to know that person and they haven't had that connection. And then they feel it's okay to be that rude that you ghost people, Mm. which is absolutely disgraceful. Yes, so you you're, you would say that listen li- li- want that connection and not that rejection. Okay, you you, you so would I take it you're not a fan of the listed Varna model? Do you know early in the afternoon it's fabulous, but by the time it gets to ten, eleven, twelve at night, a lot there's too much drunkenness going on. You yeah, know, yeah. we could say that happens at a lot of festivals, but this is even more than ever because it's on the street. It's you know, so it's just people need and are learning to just control themselves more over this time and find out and there's never been as many uh, as ever doing online dating as there has been over this time but again even with that it's about respect for people and having respect all the way along okay so online has been a a facet of dating for quite some time we've talked about it in the past but this last 15 months and we're heading nearly for 18 months at this stage it's probably paid in played an even bigger part you know when people trying to find somebody you know, to uh, match up with themselves. But look at this. You know the thing about online, you know, it's not well, in that, person. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it, there are a lot of difficulties in my yes. book around it. Would you agree? Absolutely. You need to get out there as soon as possible. 
And before you get out there to meet that person, do a video call. Everyone knows how to do WhatsApp on their phones now. Do a video call with that person. Get a feel for what that person is like. Know your values. Know what's important to you, whether that is, you know, um, you know, I like someone who is outgoing, adventurous, confident, uh, who, um, who's into giving in a, even a giving as in looking after other people and kind and thoughtful and compassionate. Stick to your values and know them before you go out. And don't be wasting your time going out and meet someone who doesn't uh, match your needs. You have needs. Know your needs. Get that. Think of yourself as a circle and think of them as a square outside your circle touching the edges. And those areas between the, your circle and their square is unmet needs. Now, you need to match those shapes as much as possible so that you can build a serious connection and it will take a couple of dates or so but find out and do that video call before you actually go out on that two meter walk now two meter distance right. you still can go on those dates you, i know yes you can sharon so so you're mm. saying the whole field of online is a minefield and people hide behind you know uh pseudo uh, images of yes. themselves and all that you know on, you, you know what I'm talking about but you're saying do the video call yeah. connect directly with this person first before you decide to meet up yeah. and and go for it now now that the restrictions are lifted take it on from there yeah yeah because what people are saying now is this fodas foda stands of fear of dating again and what that is is just breaking a habit we've got into a habit of not dating we've got into a habit of uh, talking to people through the computer now and 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 there are phones and because of that We've, we need to let down those barriers and break those patterns of not going out and now say, do you know what? I'm going out again. If you don't go out, if you don't get in front of people, you won't, you won't meet them at the end of the day. You have to get in front of those people. Mm. So when people come to me and because I'm a matchmaker, I meet everyone on a one-to-one, I get people to churn those nerves and like, oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I don't know. Can I do this? I don't. Into excitement. I am looking my best. I'm feeling my best. I'm bringing the best me table. And if he or she is not for me, let them pass me by because they're not meant to be for you. But the right person will come. Just don't get disheartened about it. Just say, do you know what? I, you now nowadays you don't kiss but you know i've i've hugged enough frogs in my life and in a joking way you know and someday my prince will come you know think of it like that you have to hug a certain amount of frogs they say and what that is it's about getting to know yourself yeah and then you know you working your magic and putting them in touch with somebody where uh, the the uh, magic happens even further and it goes on from there. Look, for you, as you say, you meet people. What about the last while on that? Has it has it been a, a big impact on you and the way you operate? I have never been as busy because a lot of people are at the stage where they want to get to know themselves better and themselves in the best position better. So people are looking into, now, where have I gone wrong in my past? What patterns did I have? What triggers did I have? And how can I bring the best me to the table because for the best you you're going to attract a broken wing i i it's all down to that law of attraction what you give out comes back to you if you give out this kind of like negativeness and and that feeling like oh i'm not good enough you're going to attract someone who's vulnerable in the same way so bring and 
be the best person. So when I'm talking to people and encourage them to get out there, by the time they go on the date, they're 100% happy in themselves and they know what they want. I just think cannabis can't tell our own story. Like, rather than going on a date and say, yeah, I haven't been doing much over this time. You say, do you know what? I've started taking up walking. I've started taking up running. I've started, in your case, Jerry, fishing again. <laughs> but taking up, bring in that those hobbies and interests and if you don't have them think of when you were 12 and what your hobbies and interests were and get back into those hobbies and interests and be strong in yourself because if you don't love yourself enough no one else is going to love you either the a whole area of people withdrawing into themselves has been a facet of this time as well and that militates against yeah. people getting back out there and the fear you mentioned also um how do you kickstart? What's what? A couple of tips for people to kickstart yourself, to get going again, to pick yourself up, dress up, put the glad rags on, get out there and get looking. What do you say? A few pointers before we go. Okay. Make sure you're wearing clothes that you're very comfortable in and dress up, dress up in those comfortable clothes. High heels. I was out for the first time in ages in high heels on Sunday and I thought, what the hell am I doing? And I put on my comfortable runners with my nice dress. And, you know, be comfortable in what you're wearing. Walk confident, put your shoulders back, hold your head up high, fake it till you make it. And that's not being ingenuine. Just say to yourself, I am enough. I am enough. I'm able for this. I'm going to meet this really nice person. If in a lot of cases, you can't do online dating because of your job. I'm there, the matchmaker.ie, teachers and others who can't do online dating because or can't uh, because they meet parents or they meet or they meet colleagues that they don't want to and they find it embarrassing through online dating. So they come to me, the matchmaker. But get out there if you if you're not in a situation that get online, meet the people as soon as you can, get out there and start smiling bring it's the best thing you can bring to any date a smile and eye contact bring those things and you'll find people more attracted to you the message is love is in the air get out there today the matchmaker.ie sharon leave it there for today take care jerry take care of yourself bye 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 that's sharon kenny there check her out at the matchmaker.ie now on the show previously we've addressed the issue of insurance uh, for leisure and it's been a problem for many places in fact some uh, businesses have had to close. Mary Riley joins me and she's uh, involved with the Blackrock Haggardstown Community Centre in North Loud. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jerry. Oh, my God, to have somebody on a crystal clear line. You've made me day, Mary, even if you don't say a word to me on the show. Anyway, Mary, will you... You can hear my frustration, can't you? Anyway, Mary, tell us, what, what was the issue for you there? Um, it, it's really an insurance thing, Jerry. Like as you've mentioned, um, we, as you know, we've been out of uh, circulation really since COVID started. Um, we've had our to pay our pay our bills like everybody else, and even though even though our doors weren't open, um, we had a, a minor claim pending. Our insurance has increased from three thousand to eleven thousand. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So um, we were really at a brick wall. We decided to put up a GoFundMe page and see what we could do in such a short space of time because today at six o'clock, we were going to have to close our doors. Oh. So 
Saturday we put up our GoFundMe page and we currently have 13,000. <laughs> ah, well Can done. <laughs> well done to your people. Well, You're not going to let these guys beat you. But look, before I come to that, let me ask you this. Had you any other options to shop round with some other insurers? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We, we were speaking with um, Peter Boland of Insurance Alliance and um, this is just a no-go area. You know, there's lots of people in the same boat as us. As us. Yes. We have, there's one underwriter, Darver's in the same boat, Merhevnamore Community Centre, Bay Estate, a green pitch, local CE schemes. They are all having a huge difficulty sourcing affordable premiums. And these are run by volunteers. They're local community centres. They are not for profit. It's just so frustrating, Gary, you know. Mm. It's a big issue and, and one that needs focus on. We've mentioned this here before and it's pretty unfair on a, a centre like yours and the others you mentioned where people, you know, have built them with their hard-earned funds and fundraising, uh, run them for the good of the community as well and yet they stand at a crossroads where they might have to shut the doors. Anyway, over 13,000. Oh, listen, there's loads of money in Blackrock Haggerstein. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, it just shows the value of the community centre yes. and what it's worth to the people of Blackrock and Haggardstown. Yeah, yeah, big time, housing, big time. Know. It's wonderful. I mean, it's so heartening for us because there are so many people who use this facility. We have children and youth groups, adult fitness, educational and recreational classes. We have special needs groups. We have children's autism camps. We have multicultural churches and counselling services and facilities for Special Olympics. I mean, the list is endless. There are over 100 diverse and inclusive groups use this facility. I mean, this community centre cannot go anywhere. It has to remain open. It is so vital to the community. So people have all said... We need our community yeah, centre. Yeah, and, and, and the response to this fundraising says, listen, we are not going to be uh, closed here. But look at, you know, when you think of the jump you mentioned there in premiums this year, and, you know, if we were to go again next year, it's really pushing people to the pin of our collars. It certainly is, Jerry, And we just hope that the government and the Insurance Alliance can help us in reducing these insurance premiums going forward like they're unsustainable. You know, all these community centres, they're just, they're for the people, they're, they're for the community. And, and, and they just cannot, you know, we need more in, investment from the government for these community centres, really. OK, so that's a call you're making today to uh, government and representatives and the insurance bodies as well. Oh, absolutely, Jerry. Absolutely. I mean, they, they are paramount. I mean, we have received so much support from Louth County Council, Louth the Leader, Sports Capital and all these places to put the best of the best into, into our centres. Uh, you know, we upgrade constantly, but we cannot afford the insurance because we're losing out in putting in the best facilities and services that we can provide to our local people. Look, you do a great job there. You really do. And I'm delighted that you've had the, the response from the community. And, and like we're, we're on the, in the, I was going to say we're on the back of and we're coming out of. Look at today where we are again with this bloody COVID thing. Indeed, but, indeed. But, but, but a centre like that, have you been operational? You know, have you had much time or much availability to the people who, who, who uh, depend on it this last while? 
Well, we, 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 as far as we can go, Jerry, we, yeah. we've had spin classes and things like that. Now, hopefully, moving forward, we, we do actually do a coffee morning for um, just for the community. I mean, it's a free community uh, coffee morning in association with St. John of God. And it's for anyone in the community. But looking out and reaching out to retired or people living alone or people who just want to say, hello, you know, I'm here, talk to me, anything like that. Anything that we can do within the government guidelines, we, we're going to do our, our damn best to do it for the community. Well done to you and uh, great job by everybody who got behind uh, the GoFundMe there and they've passed the total now and the Absolutely. insurance will be paid and the centre there. It's a wonderful place. I played badminton in many, many <laughs> moons ago. I shed blood, many. sweat and tears in the centre but it's not today and yesterday. But anyway, uh, it is a multi-use sporting facility there at the heart of the community. Mary, well done to you all. Good news story today on Late Lunch. Thank you, Jerry, and thank you to everyone who, who donated. Um, we, we really are overwhelmed with the support. We, we, we really are. Thank you so much. Well, I think this next song sums it up for you, Mary Riley, and everybody there. The centre in Blackrock, Haggardstown. It's everything to you, isn't it, Mary? It is. It certainly is. See Thanks, you, bye. Everything yeah, the real thing. On your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. It's real summery music, isn't it? You're out there enjoying the beautiful weather this afternoon. Oh, God bless it. I hope it lasts for months. Anyway, it's looking good into the weekend. We'll see what happens then. But if you, we were talking about Wimbledon yesterday on the show, if you're in London, it's pretty miserable, dull at the moment. And the northwest of Ireland, Donegal, that type of area, oh, it's not great up there either. But on the east coast, in LMFM land, It's beautiful, let me tell you, this Tuesday afternoon. Up next on the show, have you a question about your dog or your cat or your rabbit or your reptile? Wherever it is, she can answer. Yes, get them to us now. 086-1800-658 if you have questions for for VetchinAid, Kelly. That's WhatsApp, 086-1800-658. Or if you want to call in, it's 1850-715-958. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Oh, the back gardens of Ireland are alive with people at the minute and no surprise really with the weather we're having when you're in the garden. Don't forget to check out the Back Garden Festival with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. All your summer favourites on the one stream here with us on the LMFM app or on lmfm.ie. It's all there for you. You'll think... You're in Glastonbury, as I say, when you're uh, joining us for the Summer Sounds this summer in your back garden. Do check them out. Rose, thank you indeed. Sent me in a lovely picture by WhatsApp of... Ah, yes, it's lovely. In full bloom, isn't it? It's lovely to see it. The elder blossom. It's everywhere at the moment. Thank you, Rose, for that lovely picture. Gave me a lovely lift today to see it and remind me of it. Now it's time for one of our valued regulars on late lunch. I'd say hello again to Vet Sinead Kelly. Hi, Sinead. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for joining me on the show. No surprise, and I just see the questions coming already, that a lot of them are to do with hot weather. So let's quickly get to the uh, early ones here. Jerry says, Olive, 
my pet Labrador, black coat, like my own, I have to say, yeah. uh, appears to be really overheating, especially in recent days. Can Sinead give me any advice what to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. So the best thing to do, um, if we think about the hottest times of the day, really, uh, so between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., do not walk your dog, okay? So uh, the best times to walk them are as early in the day as possible and as late as possible, and as they certainly not between 10 and 4 when the, the sun is at its hottest. Um, also bear in mind when you walk them say after 4pm the pavement and the tarmac and the concrete can still be roasting hot um, and so if you actually put your hand on the pavement and see does it feel really hot because we're seeing now more and more dogs actually getting burns on their pads and blistering on their pads because literally it's like walking on a hot oven um, so the walks are key not to, not to walk at the hot time of the day and um, then if your dog is, is mainly outside you need to make sure that they are in the shade um, if you're inside make sure there's plenty of ventilation so windows open and get a fan on the dog you know basically your dog should not be panting um, your dog should be you know not breathing uh, excessively rapidly so normally resting breathing rate in a dog is kind of less than, than 30 uh, to 36 uh, uh, breaths per minute if they're breathing faster than that or if you notice that they're putting more work into it, so if you notice their rib cage is moving in and out um, more deeply, or if you notice their their tummy is moving in and out, that's called abdominal breathing. It means they're having to work harder with the breathing, um, and usually it's it's a sign that they're that they're overheating, especially if they're if they're if they're panting. Um, now, unfortunately, every year, um, despite all the advice, we still see dogs coming in with heat stroke. Um, and so the other thing to bear in mind is that even with a young, fit, healthy dog, they're at risk of heat stroke if you walk them when it's too hot. Or if they're running around, even in the garden when it's when it's when it's hot. Um, if you think of dogs that are older, maybe overweight, have say pre-existing heart problems or or breathing problems, they're going to really struggle. And so at work, we regularly see in the summer months, you know, a huge increase in in admissions for for dogs who might have been doing okay with their heart problems or their their lung problems, and then they get too hot and it just pushes them over the edge. So so the key really is keeping them cool. It's all common sense, keeping them cool. If you do find that the dog is getting hot and as the first sign is panting. Um, either get them, definitely get them inside, get them out of the heat, out of the sun, in the shade, uh, get a fan on them. And if that's not working, I would resort to either um, getting the, the wet hose on them or cold wet towels are often very good. If the dog is so hot to the point that um, he or she is beginning to become a little bit sleepy, a little bit confused, uh, not their usual bright, bouncy self, then you need to get them to the vet straight away and you need to phone the vet ahead and say you're coming down uh, because when they're beginning to kind of lose um, what we call their kind of central nervous system mentation if they're getting drowsy uh, they're already becoming seriously ill and essentially heat stroke they, they just it, the organs cannot function normally they just overheat um, and they can they can die so so that's obviously very important and the other thing we say is every year and it happens every year still do not leave your dog in the car even for a couple of minutes mm. um, you know in, in the summertime uh, or even in the spring or autumn when, when, the, when the sun can be a bit warmer uh, even with all the windows open the temperature of the car will rise to oven temperatures within 10 minutes, you know, so it's just a no-no. No, no, is right. Thanks for that wonderful advice, Sinead. And I see other listeners just saying, thanks, Sinead, needed those reminders today. Let's move on. On a similar theme, theme, here's Ian. Uh, Is it any harm to feed a cat or a dog ice cream? Will you ask Sinead, Jerry? Okay, um, 
I, I would say best not to. Um, I mean, maybe a little, like, teeny tiny microscopic lick if you're just wanting to spoil your dog or your cat. Um, but the reality is that ice cream is um, very fatty and very uh, sugary. So you are uh, quite likely that you might trigger, um, um, at the mildest form, a kind of an upset tummy, so some vomiting, some diarrhea. In the more extreme form, some of the more prone breeds, especially the middle-aged dogs, maybe the ones that are a little overweight, you can trigger a thing called pancreatitis, whereby if they get exposed to, to fatty food, it can cause the pancreas um, to produce too much pancreatic enzyme um, in response to fatty food, and that can trigger a, a really nasty illness, which makes them very, very ill. So I would say, look, no. If you're wanting to give your dog your cat a treat, um, you know, stick to the, the healthy things. So a little bit of chicken, a little bit of ham, a little bit of turkey, nothing that's been added salt or sauce or anything like that, um, or go for, um, if your dog is fit and healthy, then there are lots and lots of, 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 of kind of good quality uh, dog and cat treats you can get made by the well-known uh, pet food manufacturers. If your dog has problems, say liver disease or kidney disease, if you look up some of the, the pet food companies like Hills or Royal Cannon, they will actually do specific uh, treats that are safe to give to, say, dogs that are struggling with their kidneys or struggling with their liver. So it doesn't mean you have to go without treats. And I'm always one for, I mean, I just kind of think life's very short. Uh, I think, yes, that's great in an ideal way. Let's have no treats at all. But, um, you know, one of life's pleasures of having a dog is, or, you know, or a cat, is kind of, you know, that little look on their face when they're all excited about something. So just don't go crazy. So think healthy treats. Um, and the reality is that actually, especially for dogs, I mean, chicken is a really, really high value treat for most of them. And most of them are able to tolerate it very well. The, the very occasional one can be, you know, yeah. react to it or something or get a, a tummy upset. But, you know, something like that, you know, some good quality chicken, um, you know, is, is, is going gonna, is gonna to go down very well. It's low fat, um, it's low sugar, it's high protein, and, and that's the best thing to go for. There you go. Now, Sheila's been on talking uh, to me today about her three-year-old cocker spaniel and saying, Jerry, regardless of the current hot spell, this last month to five weeks, Arfala is drinking so much water, you can't fill the container enough for him during the day. Mm. Should I be concerned? Do I need a, a, to visit oh, a yes, vet? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So for, what I would do, first of all, is um, what you can do is at the start of the day, um, empty the bowl and then fill it up with a pre-measured amount of water. So let's say it's 500 mils or a litre. And every time um, the, the bowl is emptied um, or you have to refill it, then you can calculate, if you're, if you're you notice it all down, you can calculate how much uh, water the dog is drinking in 24 hours. Um, so essentially, you could then phone your vet up and say, you know, my dog is drinking, you know, say if it's a litre of water, um, you know, for a small-sized dog, that, that's excessive. Uh, and then really you need to have a chat with the vet and get a, a check-up. Um, the kind of most common things people would know about for excessive thirst would be, say, things like diabetes mellitus, what we call the sugar diabetes, uh, where you can't deal with, with, with uh, glucose and sugars in your food. There's also another kind of diabetes called insipidus, uh, whereby you're, you're um, not able to concentrate your urine, so you'll drink an awful lot. Um, so those two need to be checked out for. And also, uh, say, kidney disease, or liver disease and although we would associate them more commonly with older animals you can certainly get developmental issues with, with younger animals and so they might, might, might start having problems with liver or kidney disease even though they're, they're at a much younger age so definitely it's not something to ignore so obviously if it's just starting in the very hot weather maybe give kind of 12, 24 hours and see is it settling down make sure you have plenty of water make sure like I said before the dog is not excessively hot so that we're beside a fan near a window that we're in the shade that we're not doing crazy things like, like sometimes I kind of I'm baffled owners will come in and say that they've done a you know 15 kilometre hike with the dog at 
you know, middle of the day and I'm like looking at them going, you're insane, you wouldn't get me doing that. Um, so again, you know, it's, it, it, dogs, they, they can't sweat like humans do. We sweat to lose, to, to, to cool down. Dogs can't do that. The only way to cool down is evaporation from their tongue. So if we think about that's what panting is, they're evaporating moisture from their tongue. It's a really inefficient way of cooling down. Um, and again, if you have a dog, what we call the brachycephalic breeds, where they have basically a squashed face, uh, because humans in our bizarreness have decided we like dogs with squashed faces because they make us think they look like babies. Uh, and the problem is they still have to fit in their, their mouth and nose all the things a dog needs. So tongue, soft palate, uh, all the soft tissues. You end up with so little room that these dogs can't breathe normally. And then if and that's at the best of times. If you then put these dogs through excessive heat, uh, then they are going to really struggle. And so then they will drink more. Um, so that was a bit of a diversion back to the, to the, the, the kind of keeping them cool thing. But certainly don't ignore the thirst. So measure it if you can. Even if you can't, then pop along to your vet. Uh, maybe what you can do the morning you're going in when your dog squats for a pee or lifts their leg. Uh, it sounds silly, but just get like a clean bowl, any kind of bowl, put it underneath them, get a little bit of urine, um, put it into like a clean jar that there's not been any sugar in or anything in, a clean kind of wash jar and um, bring it into the vet and they can do a little test on the urine and see how concentrated or diluted it is. They can check for sugar, so that'll give us a, an, an answer really quickly if we've got diabetes. And then once your vet's examined the dog, almost certainly they'll have to run some blood work and just check everything else is okay. So definitely not something to ignore. Diabetes in particular, the sugar diabetes, if you ignore that, then they can progress from just being very thirsty and peeing a lot to, to collapse and what we call a diabetic ketoacidosis if they're left untreated. So it's, it's not something to, to leave un, un, unrecognised. Uh, you wanted to mention the Wildlife Hospital yeah. just outside Navan. I've spoken to, to them a couple of times in the show and I know as a vet you get, uh, in your career you've seen it lots of times, yeah. with people bringing wildlife into a veterinary practice. Yeah. Uh, the Wildlife Hospital, it's a good point of contact, um, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So there's uh, basically if you if you are interested in wildlife, um, if you look up the Wildlife Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland online, that's the WRI, W-R-I Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland, uh, they're full of advice and hand hints if you find wildlife, whether injured or orphaned or you're not sure about what to do um, and the, the, the thing is that anywhere in the country, all vets uh, all vets are obliged to give emergency first aid treatment to any wildlife species. The issue then always afterwards has always been where do they go afterwards if they're going to need um, you know, further care, whether it's hand rearing or surgery or rehab or, or monitoring um, and so now um, for the first time we have a facility in, uh, in Navan, a place called Garlow Cross near Navan, where they're building building a wildlife hospital. At the moment, they're in a kind of smaller premises, which is like a temporary premises, but they are there able to look after, say, orphaned animals and look after sick and injured animals. Um, so it's great now that in the past, it would have been very stressful for wildlife being stuck in a vets. Um, you know, and obviously, where were they going to go from there? Because the reality is that most animals or most wildlife that ends up at the vets, it's very unlikely to be a quick fix unless it's something like a little bit of fishing line stuck around their mouth or, or things like that. Most of them will require ongoing care. And again, with the best will in the world, vets don't have the time or the space to do that for them. And also, if you're uh, a bird or a rabbit, being in a hospital surrounded by humans and hearing and smelling and seeing dogs and cats is so stressful. So 
I would say if you ever have any wildlife concerns, first port of contact, uh, contact your own vet. They, they will give you emergency first aid and assessment. Uh, contact WRI and there's uh, details um, online and then they can arrange as a, a network of volunteers. I do a bit of volunteering for them as well um, who can arrange to um, transport the animal to the wildlife hospital um, and then the, the animal be looked after properly. And, and it's great because I, I always have been a little bit concerned that sometimes animals that maybe can't be rehabilitated back to the wild, people would try and want to keep them, uh, you know, captive. And, and that's really not something we should be encouraging or approving of because that is very stressful to keep a wild animal in captivity long term. So their policy is to do their utmost to get them rehabilitated and returned to the wild. Um, and, and so definitely anybody should look them up. Very interesting place. If you're interested in volunteering, get, get in touch with them. It's a very, very good facility that we have now. And it's only going to go from strength to strength. And they're planning, actually, um, I was talking to Emma Higgs, who's a vet nurse who's uh, in charge of it all. They're hoping to open their visitor centre uh, very shortly and then that will give people an opportunity uh, to, to come and have a little tour of the hospital. Obviously they won't be able to get too close to the animals because it's, it's stressful for them to see too many people but you can get a special little tour to see bits and bobs of what's happening. Very interesting and it's going to raise some very useful funds for them because essentially they're relying on donations from the public and, and fundraising to, to fund themselves. Yes indeed. They're well worth checking out. WRI.ie That's Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland. Sinead, we leave it there for today. Plenty to talk about next time round. Thank you so much for joining me again on the show. Absolutely. You're very welcome. I'll talk to you soon, Jerry. Take care now. That's Sinead Kelly there. Simply brilliant. A wonderful, wonderful lady. And we do appreciate her expertise on late launch. Short break. Back in a moment. Senosilicophobia. Spell that for me. <laughs> Only God, yeah. Don't even attempt it. Senosilicophobia. What am I talking about? Do you know what that is? Well, it's on the little date for today in my calendar. You know those dates, there's a little saying each day in the calendar. Senosilicophobia. It's the fear of an empty beer glass. Was there ever a more appropriate saying on a day for us here in Ireland with the news that indoor dining and pubs won't be reopening? There you go. Senosilicophobia. Remember that name on the calendar today. So timely. A lot of people would wish it wasn't timely at all. Oh, the football last night. We were watching the games back France. I should have listened to Brian in our group. He wanted the back Italy. I should have left him. We're gone. That's my fault. So it is. The French. Oh, 3-1 up. Look to be home and host and beaten on penalties. What a game that was. And the Spanish game as well. Five o'clock this evening. The nation hold its breath. It's not this nation. Across the water they'll be holding their breath all right. England, Germany. If England win, I'm telling you, football's coming home. It is. If they win this one against the Germans, it's opened up for them in my opinion. And uh, 1966, we're still hearing about 2021 or 2020 as the championships are. Let's see what happens this evening. But an intriguing prospect as England take on Germany. Should be a great game. They have a great team, wonderful players. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. They're going to win one of these big tournaments one day. They certainly are. Will it be this time? Well, time will tell. That's for sure. I see as well there's a new stout. Guinness will uh, be certainly taking note of this. Do you know there's a new stout on the way in Ireland? Yes, it's called Island's Edge. It's coming from the people who do Heineken and it's about to hit the scene here in Ireland. (laughs) 
with nowhere to sell it. Oh no, there will be, there will be, there'll be plenty of places because there's lots of places open that you can uh, work away outdoors. Island's Edge, a new stout on the way. That's uh, certainly a little bit of competition. What will it be like? Will it win over the Guinness crew? That time will tell for sure. Still to come on Late Lunch today, my artist of the week at the police after three. I have a great song for you today and more about them and we'll hear another sharp look at life with Sinead Burke and Burke's banter but taking us to three o'clock on Late Lunch. Yes, we've been talking about love a few times on the show today. It is in the air. Get out there and find it. Off you go. Love is in the air. I'm warming towards Belgium, says a late lunch listener, as the tournament progresses. Well, you know, they are number one in the world. They have been that number one side for quite some time. But unfortunately, for the last eight tie, they won't have Kevin De Bruyne. If you were listening to our sports news there, he's not available to play, uh, nor is Eden Hazard. They're two huge losses to Belgium, and I think it might just be the death knell for the hopes but who knows maybe others on the periphery will step up and guide them to glory at long last but it's really getting down to the business end in the European Championships England on this evening against Germany the early game at five o'clock I'll be watching for sure now time to have a chat about my artists of the week this week they are the police and in 1979 they released their second album called Regatta de Blanc uh, and they had a label this time. Yes, a they signed a deal with the record label. The album climbed to number one, the first of what would be four consecutive albums to reach number one for The Police. They enjoyed success as well in the singles chart. I played yesterday so lonely. It did nothing when it was released first, but then they re-released it and boy did it chart. It went zooming up into the top ten in the UK. It was a big hit from the, for them. But from the second album, yes, you're talking about Message in a Bottle and the likes of Walking on the Moon, both making number one in the singles charts. The band then headed off on their very first world tour in 1980 with tickets to see them like chicken's teeth. Indeed, they played Leakslip Castle here on July 27, 1980, and I was there. It was an unbelievable occasion. With their popularity soaring, the record label demanded a third album and another tour, and so Zenyatta Mondata was put down in just three weeks in October 1980. More about that tomorrow. Today, I'm dipping into album number two for this interplanetary smash hit. Walking on the Moon, The Police, my artist of the week this week. I don't think people today would realise how big they were at the time. They were massive, 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 massive. And the story behind that song, Sting wrote it. And he said he was drunk in his hotel room in Munich, slumped on the bed with the room spinning round him. And the riff came into his head and he got up and wandered round singing Walking Round the Room walking round the room and the next morning he remembered the riff and of course ultimately he changed room which he thought was stupid there's something more stupid the moon <laughs> that's the little story of how the song came to him all those years ago but there you go anyway more from the police another cracker of a song tomorrow and more about them round about this time she has a sharp observational eye I have to say that about Sinead Burke full of wit and banter it gets serious it gets sad Make you laugh, make you cry. Yes, Burke's banter comes to you on late lunch from Sinead Burke and she's back with another ditty for us. Yes, you heard of 
Keeping up with the Kardashians. Well, today, Sinead Burke is keeping up with the kinfolk. Sometimes you need a bit of time after a traumatic event to assess how you really feel about it. Even the shortest of windows can bring some necessary perspective. The drama subsides, the temperature lowers, and with distance comes clarity. So maybe it is too soon to have this conversation. Maybe we should wait a while until we've processed what happened last week. And look, if it's still too raw, too painful for some, I'll understand. But over the last while, we've got to know each other in this space. So I thought I would check in to see how all the heads are. How do you really feel about the end of keeping up with their Kardashians? Are you all right? Maybe it is too soon to talk about it. To be fair, the Irish reaction to the departure of Kimberly Augusta Drafurica has been stoic in nature. There has been none of the public anguish, hysterical tear gulping and rush for regrettable tattoos the end of Westlife brought. The live line has been quiet on the subject. As of yet, no psychologists have been explaining in soft, sensitive tones to Jerry Kelly how to handle a distressed Kardashian fan who is refusing to come out of their bedroom. I don't even think Luke O'Neill has been asked his thoughts on if Courtney and Scott will ever get back together. As a nation, we have continued on bravely. Almost as if the glamorous comings and goings stage-managed family bust-ups and specially choreographed dramatic bombshells of a family of millionaires in California have nothing to do with us. But lads, a lot of us discreetly tuned in over the last 15 years. We might not have watched every episode, but we knew enough to keep tabs on who was fighting or sleeping with who, which side we picked in the latest betrayal storyline, and... Show me a man who claims not to have had an opinion on when Bruce had the sex change to become Caitlin. Fair play, no judgment here. And I'll show you someone who has given up on life. Because is that not the best pastime of all? Secretly gawking at other families. Studying the dynamics and deciphering their slightly different turns of phrase. Other families are fascinating. We watch our neighbours. We stare at the Dublin crowd on the other side of the hotel pool. We watch a gog at the carry-on of the tribe at the next restaurant table. People just like our own family, but a little bit different because they're not us. Speaking of which, we adopt the same approach when it comes to the British royal family. Now that is a reality show which constantly delivers. Backstabbing, dodgy business acquaintances, extramarital affairs and deluded entitlement, all played out in front of literally palatial backdrops. It's box office stuff in fairness, and we can remain smug that we don't have to pay the subscription for it. In fact, apart from the stallholder in the English market in Cork, who made a complete show of himself cozying up to the Queen when she visited there, most of us pretend not to watch it at all. Except we do. There is a generation of Irish mothers, Team Diana, who to this day hold a grudge against Camilla and narrow their eyes whenever Charles appears on television. I became a bit obsessed with preparations for William and Kate's wedding. I can still picture the late Councillor Joe Riley's face when I suggested we close the office for the big day. I was a Sinn Féin councillor at the time 
So looking back, the suggestion wasn't really in sync with our Republican brand. But it was the family do of the century, and I love a good fascinator as much as the next woman. Anyway, unsurprisingly, Joey refused to close the office. So I had to work from home instead. Being interested in what is going on around a dinner table in Balmoral, on a sun terrace in LA, or even a scullery in screen, is, I would contend, a natural part of the human condition. Nosiness is in our nature. I think it also confirms to us that however privileged and perfect, other gangs seem to have it. At the end of the day, most of us would choose to stay with our own people. They might not be inheriting titles or launching makeup brands, but at least they won't be mortifying us on Oprah. Ah, brilliant Sinead, I have to say. So true, the closet royal followers in Ireland and not so many in the closet either. People love them. And of course, the lovely and late great Joe Riley being mentioned there in dispatches too. What a great guy he was. Yes, so sharp, so observational. Thank you so much, Sinead. Looking forward to your next episode of Banter coming your way on Late Lunch soon. In case you haven't heard before we sign off today, the... Indoor dining and public houses reopening is not happening on the 4th of July. It will be considered again on the 19th of July, but it's not looking great even for that particular day. Uh, Stay tuned with us here to our news bulletins on LMFM Radio. You'll get all the reaction and Michael in the morning, I'm sure, will have plenty of reaction from those affected and those making the decisions as well. Make sure you're with us from 9 tomorrow morning for the Michael Reid Show. Anyway, we will be back tomorrow with Late Lunch. And on Wednesday's show, a grave situation at a local cemetery. We'll be talking about it tomorrow. He's done 10k every day for a year. Tomorrow's his final day. Joe Hamill is back with us. The National Council for the Blind are celebrating their 90th birthday and they've been a lifeline to so many people for decades and we're reflecting on that time and where they are today here on the show tomorrow afternoon. My thanks to Brian Farley who guided me through the last couple of hours today and to all of my guests and to you for joining us each day on the show. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See blackstonemotors.ie How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant Glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.